What's up, guys? Today's discussion is with Wes Whitset out of Atlanta, Georgia. And let me tell you something. You are in for a great listen today, a great podcast. We discuss the importance of building relationships and strengthening those relationships and how that impacts your business and your life for the better. We talked about the power of appreciation, how just being appreciative for everything you have really spills out and multiplies in your life. Uh, we talked about and discussed, you know, the opportunities that we all have on the job sites to learn from others and, and learn from our peers even in social media and, and, and the power of that and the benefit that comes from seeking out that knowledge and, of course, applying it. And we discussed his remodeling business. He's got a beautiful remodeling business. Uh, you can check out the, the link in the show notes to see his website. Uh, you can follow him and get to know him inside Global Tile Posse. And uh, we discussed how he's you know not only built this beautiful thing, but now he's thinking ahead in the future and making plans, making sure that he's investing some of his money now to secure his future. So I know you're in for a treat today. I know you're going to enjoy and benefit from this episode. All right, I'm going to take it from the top with some music. Hello, Tile Friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. My name is Luke Miller, your host, and my mission with this podcast is to strengthen the tile industry. I believe we can do this. I believe we are doing this with our business discussions and education that is designed for contractors by contractors. Tile Money is assisting tile contractors around the world to build sustainable, profitable businesses. The result is a stronger industry from the installer up. That's the way it has to be, friends. That contractor has got to be strong for a strong industry. Today, we've got another great discussion lined up for you. Uh, Before we introduce Wes and our guests, though, I would like to thank the sponsors of the show. The National Tile Contractors Association, the NTCA, can be your most valuable resource as a tile contractor. They are the oldest and the largest association of tile contractors. Uh, they can answer any questions that you have, whether you're in a in a sticky situation in the field and you have a complicated problem or you're seeking an expert in a specific niche, whatever the case might be. Join the NTCA for the brotherhood and the community of like-minded business owners, some of the best business owners in the uh, United States are within the NTCA. Ladycrete International, another sponsor of ours. I'd like to thank Ladycrete. Ladycrete is one of the leading innovators in the tile installation materials world. They're accredited with inventing Thinset and winning the World Trade Center contract by providing that lightweight solution to build the world's tallest buildings at the time. Ladycrete is privately uh, held. It's a privately owned company with family values that you can feel whether you're talking to the reps in the field all the way up to the family members that are still working in the business this day. Ladycrete provides everything you need to install tile from the waterproofing to the grout and silicone. Silicone, it's a one-stop manufacturing company. It has your back. GoBoard, uh, John's Mansville company. Uh, GoBoard is an innovative tile backboard manufactured by John's Manville. Discover the possibilities with this easy-to-cut and handle lightweight waterproof product. You can carry a bunch of boards. You can seal those fastener penetrations using GoBoard Pro sealants to achieve an ANSI A118.1 compliant installation. GoBoard Pro sealant is now available in 20-ounce sausage sausage packs. Ask your distributor to bring them in. You know, uh, with solid prep, you have a solid job. Without solid prep, you've got nothing. You can learn more at jm.com slash GoBoard. And our last sponsor, HappyTileGuy.com. I'm a part owner in HappyTileGuy.com. That is where tile contractors are getting professional websites, fully search engine optimized for lead generation, and that is your online hub for your business. All right, let me let's get to the show. So once again, Wes, thanks for thanks for being on the show. Uh, for my audience, uh, who are you? Uh, where are you at in the country, and what do you do? Thanks a bunch. I, I, I really appreciate being on the show. Uh, I'm Wes with WesDoesIt.com. Uh, I'm a remodel contractor. Um, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I've been in here in this city for around about 30 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you, for 30 years, you've been a contractor or how did you get started in the contracting world? 
Uh, well, originally I'm from, from North Carolina. Okay. Um, and my father used to talk about when he was young, uh, he, he was a roofer and that made him a man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, when he was in teenage years and up, right. And my grandfather actually built his own house in the house that he raised my mom and her 12 siblings in. Mm-hmm. So, I had this super high standard of of men and and using their hands and very blue collar family. Mm. Um, so when I went to college, you know, I I wrestled in high school, I powerlifted in high school, but that's not work, you know. That, that's you know, that's not work. So when I got to college age, I actually had gotten a scholarship, two scholarships, and to the two colleges that I got accepted into, uh, one of them eliminated their art program, and that's what I was going to school for mm-hmm. that year. The other one got caught with recruitment violations on their wrestling program, so I couldn't do that. Wow. So I ended up defaulting to art school. Okay. And I came down to Atlanta, and I got an art school, and I just loved the city. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to run into my daughter's mother, whose father was actually an owner of a roofing company, a small roofing company. Mm -hmm. And I was able to work with him while paying for college because I'm 18 years old. All I'm qualified for is McDonald's. Yeah. Which at the time was like $3.75 an hour. And I remember this guy paying me. $8 $8 an hour to carry shingles up and down a ladder all day. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, this will keep me in shape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I did that. I made better money than my friends were making at the time. And I was a full-time student and doing that every moment that I could in between. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started. That was like 1993, 94. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, you know, the physical aspects of uh, a contractor muscle versus, uh, you know, a bo- even a bodybuilder. Because I, I never got into sports. I was never into bodybuilding, and you know, I uh, never into any of that. But what I did do from a very early age was get into contracting and, and helping friends out on the summer and well, farming. I grew up in a farming community, so there's a lot of, you know, yeah. activity. I mean, we were always active from a young age, and then when I got into you know, tile, it was like, how many boxes can you carry? And we would, yeah. we would be, you know, lifting them over our head and everything on the way, you know, unpacking the trucks yeah. and stuff. And, uh, later in years, you know, on the job sites, you get, you, you know, you end up working with some big bodybuilders, but, uh, I always told them our muscles are different, you know, our muscles are different. Yeah. I can, you know, don't, don't, don't write a check that your mouth can't, you know, cash. Cause I got working muscles. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a huge difference. Like, yeah. There's, there's no point in the fight where you're doing where you're doing this movement. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, no point in the fight where you're doing this. Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can toss two hundred pound box across the room, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you can toss a two hundred pound guy across the room. Yeah. <laughs> and That's we true. used to joke about it and say, you know, anytime there was a little argument, you could turn and go, Listen, buddy, I'm I'm a roofer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This fight will be the easiest thing I did all day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, it but is. from but what I did learn at a young age, though, because again, this was a small company, all the guys felt like family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, one of the older guys said to me, "They used to call me Shorty. I'm I'm five four, right? Okay. So he goes, Shorty, you're too smart to do this your whole life." You're going to break by 35 if you do this nonstop the whole way. Yeah. He said, I do it because I, I wasn't smart enough to learn anything else. Mm-hmm. You're young enough to learn something else. You can't beat your body up your whole life. So with that, I, I, I really set that intention that, okay, I'm going to learn some other trades. I don't want to just risk my ass every day on the roof. Yeah. Um. And so what I learned was if you if you can carry a sheet of plywood, a four by eight sheet of plywood across a, you know, six, 12 pitch roof. Mm-hmm. When you get inside the house, 
Jesus, a subfloor is easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's no, you can't kill yourself with doing it. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. and because you learned it in a situation that's more extreme, mm-hmm. you become a lot more, uh, what's the word? I, I guess calibrated mm-hmm. in your movement, right? It's, it's like you got that last tile to set. It's around the corner of the door and you got to reach out and post up on the wall and get it around that corner and then shove yourself back out of the room. So you don't mess up what you got, you know, that's a thing that you have done a million times, Mm -hmm. you know, and having done that a million times makes you a lot more proficient at certain things. So if you translated that into other trades, like drywall is not a precise type of trade. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can cut within a half inch. You can screw up left or right a half inch, and it's easily fixable. Sure. Whereas tile, a half inch is enormous. Oh, it's the end of the world. <laughs> so it's it's like you take those skill sets, you dump it into something else. You get accustomed to the measurements being different. And after that, you're just learning the tools. And so I've started learning the tools of other trades Mm -hmm. and I would just go work on the weekends with drywall guys. And I would say, Hey man, pay me $5 an hour. Mm -hmm. Put me with your best guy, pay me next to nothing. I just want to learn it. Okay. And if you pay enough attention, you get with the right guy, ask a ton of questions. Yeah. Um, that guy will give you all the information you're ever going to want. Yeah. So, you know, you said earlier, you said, I set my intention. Um, and then, I, I mean, I'm going to ask you to explain it, but you just kind of did. I mean, you said you you went ahead and followed through with that intention and, and said, I want to learn. I want to get, you know, and you, you went to, you sought out after tr- other trades. I think this is solid advice for young people. Uh, you know, I read something the other day, uh, and, you know, young people, 18, just graduating or whatever, uh, for the next few years, their number one priority should be to learn what they don't want to do for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? So in other words, try a few things, try a few things and, and really be okay with not meeting anybody else's expectation of you. Mm -hmm. I, I, at 18 years old, I'm in art school. I'm $25,000 in debt before I've ever gotten a job that I could actually eat off of. Right. Yeah. So when I got out of school, I felt compelled to use that degree. Sure. I went into Excellent. advertising and was immediately miserable. Okay. Hated it. it. Hated it so much that I went back to lugging shingles. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I can't sit down at this desk all day. You know, I, yeah. I can't listen to the opinion of somebody who doesn't know what I know to determine what I do. And it may have been ego. It may, I, don't, I don't know. But I hated it. Yeah. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, I spent all this money. I'm in all this debt. And I hate this. He said, what did you like? I said, I like working with my hands. And he said, you don't have to force what you love to make you money. But you also don't have to break yourself to make money. You don't have to damage something internally and do something you don't want to do mm. make it so just keep trying stuff until you find something you like i love that that sounds like solid advice from dad i mean that's yeah. that's awesome i love it you know I, I think the world would be much better off if, if we all followed that advice and um not that every day is a you know you know i'm sure you'll admit not every day isn't like this perfect you know paradise and and you're not you know, ecstatic every single day. There's problems that arise in every job, right? Right. Yeah. But overall, do you feel better or, or worse when, you know, do you, do you dread coming into work or, or do you kind of have, you know, more joy than, than less? I think is the point. So I, I tell my, um, anybody working with me, I say, you, you got to think of it like a relationship, right? This is how, you know, when you're with the right person, when all the same stuff, comes with everybody. Everybody's a pain in the ass one day out of the week, right? The difference is with the right person, it still feels worth it, right? And you're still motivated to to improve on it. I feel the same way about a job. Mm -hmm. If I can't make myself love that trade, I I can't do it. Mm -hmm. 
if I don't feel reward from whatever it is that I'm trying to do, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I don't get any reward from painting, right? Mm-hmm. I learned to paint well from the first good painter that I ever hired mm-hmm. on a renovation. Okay. And I learned to paint well so that if my painter didn't show up, I could still get my job done. Sure, sure. But I get zero satisfaction out of it, so I'll never be an exclusive painter. I'll always sub that out or I'll always hire somebody to do painting for me. In in fact, anytime I hire somebody, the very first question I ask is, can you paint? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to do it. Um, But I get satisfaction from the tile. I get satisfaction from fine carpentry. I get satisfaction that the end of my end product is functional. It satisfies the engineering part of my brain. And if it looks good, it satisfies the aesthetic, you know, part of my brain. Yeah. Like I'm, I'll, I'll probably never be as good a tile guy as you, a guy who's done it every day consistently for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I've learned the mechanics of it and I associate with really good tradesmen like you, then I can set my standard to their standard. I'm going to go, it's going to take me longer, but if I'm doing work that I've, that I know people are going to be ashamed of, <laughs> I get, I, when I get, when I got into the group that I met you in, mm-hmm. I posted some work of mine that I was really proud of. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was a shower and I had slivers on that right side wall and they went from an eighth inch. I mean, from probably about a quarter inch to about an inch by the time you got to the top of that wall. Mm-hmm. And they let me have it in that group. How'd that feel? Uh, it felt it felt extremely humbling. OK, because when I went through and I started looking at these guys work, I didn't see any of that. And whereas my house sold fine, it, it, it did everything that I wanted it to do. Sure, sure. The thing about it was if you're going to do anything, you want to do it on a high end. You want to have the standard of 110%, right? Because you're not going to hit that mark. So when you miss, you're at least at 90%. But if you start out shooting for 90 and you miss, you're at 70 and you got a bad product. Yeah. Yeah. So my standard has to be higher than my capacity for me to keep learning. That makes sense. I like that. I like that quote a lot. You know, we, we did meet in the, in the global tile posse group, I think. And, um, you know, we were talking, we were talking on a thread about remodel work because a lot of, you know, this is a tile contractor podcast, but I myself mm-hmm. was transitioning into remodel uh, and going for my general contractor license so that I could sub out other trades and handle things because I, I felt I fell into this comfortable spot where I, I I appreciated and really enjoyed working with the homeowner who wanted a bathroom remodel. And I was started with showers and that's how it got started. Um and I, I think it's a, um, a a good way for a lot of people. It's not for everybody. Some people just want to specialize in tile, and that's certainly a, a viable and valuable um, opportunity there. But what I liked, you know, and I saw your comment, you know, I've been a remodeler, and it's it was a great comment. And, and then I went and I, I checked some of your other posts and comments, and I, I remember seeing this post you're talking about where, you know, you kind of – you know, you got some harsh, you know, some, some criticism, right? Some harsh love there. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people will, will take that criticism like that and they'll leave the group or they'll get offended or, or take the post down. But the way you receive that and, and what you did with that um, criticism told me everything I needed to know. I got to get Wes on the podcast, in other words, because this man, oh. you know, he takes this and, and and you made a post later and you said, you know, this group has, has really – uh, improved my skill set as a tile s- installer because I, you know, like you're saying, it's not your main trade. But um, and so I appreciated that about you um, right away, and I thought, you know, I got to get Wes on here to discuss his business uh, because a lot of people are interested in, 
you know, curious about whether or not they want to be a general contractor and, you know, have subcontractors or do it all. Some people think, well, I don't want to paint. You know, that was some of the discussion in that tra- in that uh, thread. I don't want to be a painter. And I said, you don't have to be a painter. <laughs> you know, you can sub it out, uh, just like you just said. And so tell me about your progression to, you know, you're a young man, you're doing all these different trades. And how did you wind up as a general contractor who specializes in home remodeling? And what was that transition like in the early years? Uh, how did you start subbing things out and gain some traction? Um, like I said, with, with roofing, um, because I was working for the actual owner, like I'm, I'm his right hand, I've got access to everything. So I'm learning blueprints. I, I just happened to have taken a class in the eighth grade about how to do blueprinting. Wow. And it's been the same from since sure. then on. So I knew I, what I was looking at when he'd show me blueprints mm-hmm. and we could go through things and I could learn them kind of the mechanics, how structurally things would go. When it comes to framing, the roof is the most intimidating part of framing a house. It's mm-hmm. the only thing that's not on square, true and right angles. And it's the only thing, again, that you can fall and kill yourself from. So I learned that part before I ever got in the house. So by the time you can frame up a roof and truss and things like that, build soffits off a 40-foot ladder, then when you get in the house, drywall, uh, all those things, um, and all the other framing, relatively speaking, becomes more simple. Mm-hmm. But because I had kind of ventured off on my own and started doing roof repairs on the side, okay. I ran into a a uh, kind of a mogul kind of guy. He just bought a lot of really crappy properties, and he would kind of slumlord them. Man. But I, I'd get there, and there'd be plumbers and electricians and drywall guys and stuff like that, and I'm just coming to fix a roof. Uh, and I ran into a really good carpenter who was, he was going to patch the hole in the roof and I was just going to shingle over it. And we exchanged numbers and he let me come on a couple of his jobs and help him frame up and and do stuff like that. And I learned more of those things, so on and so forth. It's just kind of kept coming with relationships. I got on my own and I just did whatever somebody asked me. I was actually the very last job that I had was working for a roofing company and I was coming out and I was doing inspections and I ran into a condo owner who was adamant that he was going to sell his unit and he needed a new roof in order to sell his unit for the right money that he needed. Mm. And he, I went up, I looked at it. It was terrible. I wrote up the report and I wasn't thrilled about the job, but it was great money. And I came inside one day to come out and and meet with him about his leak and the roofers are up top and I'm in there having a cup of coffee with him. And he said, do you know anybody who can do flooring? And I looked down at it and he had bought this engineered floor. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. (laughs) He said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I can do that. And this was like in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. So... He said, how much would you charge me? And I said, $1,800. I said $1,800 because at the time, that was two weeks of money. I knew that I'd be. You can get it done in two I weeks. get it done in two weeks. Yeah. Then I'm ahead of the game, right? So he said, okay, you're hired. I quit my job that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put this floor down. I, I went out. And, this was before the internet was. Or YouTube. Yeah. So I went to Home Depot and bought four books on flooring. Sure. And they were like those thick, you know, magazine kind of style books. Mm-hmm. And I just I just went through them all until I knew so many of the specifics that I couldn't screw it up. And it took me about a week and a half to do those floors. I was thrilled to get it done. He was thrilled with me. And he asked me after that, do you know anybody who can do tile countertops? I want to do tile countertops. Again, this is the 90s. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hot, hot item so, back then. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got a deposit, and I went out, and I bought more books on 
tile. Yeah. And it was a small enough job that it didn't, I didn't have a lot on the line. Mm -hmm. It was better than hourly pay. So if it took me longer, that'd be fine. And I just was really meticulous because I was afraid I was going to screw it up. I had met all these other tradesmen and I just call them and say, Hey man, can I put this down on that? And they go, Oh no, you got to put down some kind of concrete board or something. And I go, Oh, okay. And I learned that by getting associated with people who knew more than I knew. Mm-hmm. So I know drywall guys that are better than me. I know painters that are better than me. I know tile guys that are better than me. I know carpenters that are better than me. I know no one who can do as much as I can do as well as I can do each thing. Mm-hmm. But that's due to knowing carpenters better than me, tile guys better than me, so on and yeah. so forth. Now you know who to call. Yeah, and, and so do they. So the very first house that I ever did, I built a, a deck for a homeowner, and they went out of town, and we had discussed building a pergola over the deck. Mm-hmm. And they left me some tip money. They tipped me enough money for me to build the pergola. So I built it for them. Yeah. And when they came back, he was so happy that I'd done it. And this guy was 55-ish. It was a really ritzy part of town. They were in a million-dollar home. And he said, if I bought a flip house, could you do it? And I said, I could do everything except the mechanicals. I don't know plumbing. I don't know electric. I don't know HVAC. And I was confident that everything else I could do or I could learn on the process, right? Sure, sure. That's how I met my plumber that I know to this day, my electrician that I know to this day. This is 20-plus years ago. And anytime I had plumbing work to do, I hired them, and this was the one rule that I had on my job. You cannot bring help. I'm your labor. You're I'm the helper. Free All right. And I'll crawl underneath the crawl space and get in the gross stuff for you. <laughs> but I'm your only help. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, okay. I'm like, I'm here all day anyway. Yeah. And they were like, okay. During that process, I only wanted to know what I should be looking at and what to bid on the next house. So when I saw it, I'd say, oh, this is this much money worth work or this is really bad or this is really good or this isn't a problem. I just wanted to be educated on what I was looking at and bring it back to my homeowner or my investor. Um, but in the process, I learned all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, same with my electrician. I learned all of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to take their business or put them out of business. It was to be educated enough to not call them out on a job expecting to make Five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and turns out it's a two thousand dollar job because I didn't know what I was talking sure. about. Sure, yeah. So it, as much as you give, people will give back. I always say this about relationships: you give to your relationships, and they'll always give back to you. Mm-hmm. The ones that aren't worth that will just fade away anyway. It'll go away. People yeah. with bad intentions will go away on their own. But if you pursue all these things with good intentions, people tend to give that back to you. I've been very fortunate. I've been very blessed in that because I do so many things. Mm-hmm. At any point, any of those guys could call me and say, hey, Wes, can you come give me a hand on something? Mm-hmm. And if I've got the time, I am, and I'm going to make good money doing that too. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I I especially like you know the story about you jumping in there and getting your hands dirty in order to learn. Not not because you wanted to you know not call that plumber again, but you wanted to know what to bid. You wanted to know you know say 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 you start learning about plumbing and then you learn oh this plumber that I hired you know it's, something's not adding up because of the, you know you're also gaining knowledge from books and now the internet and everything. And so, in other words, you know, contractors, young contractors who want to get into this work, take the take the advice here and uh, learn all you can. And you know, if you have an opportunity to work with uh, a journeyman level uh, plumber or an electrician, sometimes you got to create that opportunity. That's uh, it. Reminds me when I got into property ma- management in the um, in the during the recession. 
the, the mm-hmm. first, the people I was working for at the time, you know, they, they would have had me do anything. If I said I could do it, they would have done it, but I never did electricity or uh, electric work or plumbing uh, in the apartment. It's a big, I didn't feel confident, you know, I didn't feel safe, yeah. big, pretty big deal, but they, uh, so I would always call a plumber or an electrician and I would always be there. And because of that, um, I was able to, uh, talk to communicate with these plumbers. Uh, the, the person, the manager before me, he, he would never be there. He would never show up and he would just leave. And we had all kinds of plumbing problems mm-hmm. in this apartment. It was 40 units. We had floods, yeah. you know, sewer floods and, and every, every quarter or every month almost. And I started asking these guys, why is this happening? They said, well, we gotta, we gotta clean these out more. You know, we gotta clean out your cleanouts. And I said, well, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. I called my boss. I said that I'm going to schedule them for uh, quarterly cleanouts. And mm-hmm. she's like, let's get it done. And I did it. And, uh, no more, no more backups, you know, no more, no more problems with, like that. And it's like, just communicate and ask questions and learn, you know, mm-hmm. and ask why, why is this happening? Well, why, why are you plumbing it this way? You know, why are you putting the, you know, how do you, you know, how do you diagnose an electric, uh, problem in, you know, inside the wall? You know, it's, it's a hard, it can be a hard issue. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. But that's, but that's that's just smart. Like good. One of the you you mentioned earlier when we were talking that um, that there's a lot of like podcasts and things like that 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 benefit people to listen to. Like mm-hmm. these things we didn't have when mm-hmm. we were younger. We were stuck with what was on the radio. Yeah. But now it's like um, Chris Voss is a guy I listen to a lot. Sure. Yeah. And one of the things that he that he deals with is the neuroscience of the thing. Mm. And part of the neuroscience is that people who are in good moods, a brain in a good mood is 30% more effective and efficient. We're yeah. literally smarter. You go from a, a, if you put it on a grade scale, you went from a D to an A plus just by being in a good mood. Mm-hmm. So if you're making friends during business and everybody's in a good mood. Yeah. A, we're all smarter. B, we're happy to see each other rather than, oh my God, I gotta go deal with this freaking plumber. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because when you don't you're not friends with the plumber, when something happens with the plumbing, the plumber's an enemy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when you both understand plumbing, the problem is the enemy and you're both working on the problem. Yeah. You get to say Hey man, so what's going on over there? All right, let me tell you what. And and then you get to have your conversation rather than, I thought you said this was going to be taken care of. Mm. So it just creates a better circumstance when everybody's happy. And I I bring, I carry that around with me. As a young man, I didn't realize that, but I'd come home and I'm testy, I'm snappy, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm irritated because I'm not happy at work or I'm letting the job stress me out or whatever the thing is. But that unhappiness, you carry on your back and you end up unloading it on your family. And that's the whole reason I'm working in the first place is to come home to Yes, them. yes. So I made it a very clear intention to either learn how to be happy doing what I'm doing or do something that's going to make me happy. Either one will work, but I have to be happy doing it because to be good at something, you're going to have to put in more time because you have to care more. How do you minimize negative surroundings? Um, you know, there might be, you know, not, every, you know, there might be circumstances either in your family, in your neighborhood, politics, you know, I mean, obviously it's November 12th, 2021. There's a lot of angst right now on social media and real life, you know, grocery mm-hmm. store, job sites. How do you minimize these negative circumstances to protect your mood and, and, and retain your happiness? Um, well, I, I do understand that every problem that I'm aware of is not my problem. Um, I can have an opinion about things without having a fight about things. Um, I can have an appreciation for somebody else working towards a goal, me working towards a goal, and maybe 
the way that my goal is set up and their goal set up that we interact, right? That we yeah. cross paths. And maybe my goal damages their goal or their goal damages my goal. Mm-hmm. The thing that I try to remember at those points of intersection are how do we get to a common interest, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't care what the situation is, the bottom line human goal is I want to be all right. Yeah. And I and you want to be all right. Yeah. So whatever other things that we're doing to try to get to our all right, um, we can do without damaging somebody else's well-being. So in all of my efforts, I try to make sure that I'm not creating a worse environment. Because if I become an adversary, then it becomes your job mm-hmm. to fight me or conflict with me. But if I am your collaborator, it becomes our job to solve my problems and your problems. And I'd rather have two people working on my problems than any people working on my downfall. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. That's solid. I'm going to, I'm going to clip that and put that out there. (laughs) I I love it, Wes. I appreciate that. Ah, no problem, man. Like, you know, we got to make it through this thing. No, we, I mean, we have no other choice. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, uh, can you, you know, you mentioned Chris Voss. Do you have any other habits or rituals, not rituals, but uh, daily routines, I mean, for listening or watching for, you know, to keep, to retain this positive, you know, position? Because a lot of people, you know, I, well, I'll just talk about myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I have good days. I have bad days. I have, you know, it's like a roller coaster. So once I'm up, you know, I want to retain that, um, as much as possible for me personally, what happens is. I have a routine that really keeps me positive, but then mm-hmm. once I get so positive, I, I start to forget that routine and I go back into my old, you know, some of the old ways that aren't as positive uh, and I don't catch it until it's too late. And then I find myself, you know, down low again. What, what kind of advice would you give somebody like me? I, I learned uh, it, this, this was weird. Cause this is the one time I went to court for jury duty. I got a jury duty thing and I had to go sit and we were just waiting. In the meanwhile, they had these magazines, all these old magazines out. And I opened up one of them. It was like, uh, it was some kind of scientific magazine, right? Mm -hmm. And they had in there, and this resonates with me to this day, that balance is more important than highs or lows, right? Mm -hmm. It's the balance. Um, If you're constantly elevated. Yeah. That, that becomes your norm. That becomes your regular. So for you to feel anything bigger, something extreme has to happen. Or you have to lower your plane <laughs> in order to really appreciate the high that you normally are on. So for me, I, I'm a person that comes from depressed people, right? So in my very makeup, I have a tendency to gravitate towards the negative, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And because I gravitate towards the negative, that safeguards me in a lot of ways, right? But I had to make the realization of where it's appropriate, where it's not appropriate. Know that there's a difference between the things that locked into me as a child and upbringing are not and they feel the same. They feel very similar to what your instinctual things feel like because it's so set in. But you have to consciously think of lows are going to happen and that's okay. Um, I don't know who said this, but they described life as seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Summer's great. Fall is nice. Winter's cold, mm-hmm. right? And then spring comes again, blah, blah, blah. If, because, you know, I was a roofer mm-hmm. in Atlanta. So December, January, February is hard. Mm-hmm. You're outside, you're yeah. up high. There's a lot of days you just can't work yeah. because of the temperature or the weather or whatever. The people that survive that are the people who function full on in the summertime and prepare for the next season. 
how you treat your summer will protect you in the fall and the winter. Mm-hmm. How you treat your downtime, your winter, should be in preparation for your spring and your summer. For instance, when you're roofing in the winter, you're not making any money. What you should be focusing on at that point is what your business model is going to be, where your hiring things are going to be. If there's a time to go get certification, you can take those two weeks to go do that. Anything that you can do to push your business forward and hit the ground running when the busy season picks up to just prepare for it. So for me, it is a conscious gratitude for anything I've got, everything I've got, every person in my life that is here, me and my fiance every single day. Mm-hmm. I tell her how grateful I am for her. Nice. Every single day, every single morning, every single night, my kids here, I love you. I kiss them, I hug them, I hold them tight. And that gratitude will push you through anything bad. So if I have a bad day like anybody else has a bad day, at 8.30 at night, guess what's going to happen? Two little dudes are going to come wandering into my room and give me big giant hugs and tell me that they love me and how grateful they are for me. And that's going to make that's gonna make it all better. Whatever was happening that day is going to get better. Yeah. But I don't rely on uh, really routines for, for me personally uh, because I can break routines and I can break habits. What I have to have is a real in, a real functional understanding of it in order to lock into it so that it, it's like with, with tile. If you're tired at the end of the day, but you have a real functional understanding that if I leave this half undone, mm-hmm. I've got more work to do tomorrow. Yeah. You'll stick through it and get that extra done so that you reward your tomorrow. So, so even as I'm going through the hardship of this extra work, mm-hmm. my intention is to make it better tomorrow, to make it easier tomorrow yeah and that's enough motivation to get me moving forward and doing what i have to do so i don't spiral because the spiraling is bad yeah i think oh from time to time sure sure a lot most of us do um well i appreciate your insights into this wes i i really do um thank you for sharing and and being open about that you know gratitude um is similar is I guess uh, synonymous with appreciation. Would you say that's true? I would. And the other day, you know, I mean, you could use either or, but appreciation, this feeling of appreciation. The other day, I read or, or heard this um, appreciation is is like the only feeling that multiplies. You know, it, in other words, if if you are appreciative. It's going. You're going to continue to be appreciative. Uh, it's going to lead to more appreciation or more gratitude in your life. Um, and mm-hmm. if you look at the word appreciation, I mean that's why they use it in uh, in economics, right? And um, right, it appreciates your money. Appreciates it. Yeah. It makes more of it. So if if that feeling, if if you're waking up and you say the first thing you do is you know make <clears throat> make sure you appreciate your wife or tell her that you're grateful for her, uh, you're going to continue that. Uh, so I this is solid advice. It's solid reminders for myself because even though I I'm really into this kind of thing, you know, uh, especially as a creator, you know, and uh, learning a new trade, so to speak, now on, on the internet versus with my hands. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm into anything that keeps me positive and, and keeps me pushing myself and my family and, you know, my community forward. Uh, so I appreciate this for sure. Yeah. Well, I, the only thing I, I even disagree with you a little bit about yeah, it, go for it, that it's the only thing I think that being uh, unappreciative will do the same thing. If you say this sucks because this guy didn't do this thing, yeah. everything that happens from that point forward will keep leading back to somebody 
having not done something that made your life miserable when you really are the only person that can do either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can make yourself miserable. You can make yourself appreciated. Yeah. But you'll be appreciated when you are appreciative. Like you said, it, it just keeps bouncing back to you. And it's remarkable when you can get in that mindset and what it can do for you overall, your well-being. Yeah. No, this is a solid, solid point. Thank you for bringing this up. I, I've, I, this is true. This is true. And I'll take Facebook, you know, for example, cause I'm, it's part of my business. It's part of my life, my daily routine mm-hmm. now. And, and if I start noticing negative posts and, and start giving it more attention than it deserves, right. And, and letting it mm-hmm. impact my emotions. The next thing I know I'm seeing one after another but the reverse is true also. If I just, if I'm like, that doesn't, you know, something you said earlier, you know, that it doesn't impact me. It doesn't, it's not going to, I can't change it. It's not going to change me. I just scroll on. Right. Um, right. The, the reverse happens. All I see now is positive posts. And then once in a while I see somebody says, man, there's so many negative posts in this group. And I'm just thinking like, I, I think that's because of you, you know, I think that's because yeah. you're giving it attention and you're attract, you know, you're in a way you're picking up on them all and you're missing out the, the other stuff. So this is powerful yeah. stuff that, you know, and we're talking about all this and, you know, for 10, 15 minutes here and people are, might be wondering like what this has everything to do with us being a successful business owner, contractor, a husband, wife, you know, whatever, because, you cannot move forward uh, with your business if your personal life is in disarray or your mental health is in disarray. It's it's just very, very difficult. So this is something I always pause to kind of, um, you know, dive into a little bit when my guest wants to talk about it. So I appreciate it. Now, I do want to get back to your business as it is today because we kind of talked and discussed some of the early years, which was great. Uh, what does your business look like today? I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your website right now. And for those of you listening, it's Wes does it.com W E S does it.com. So check out his home remodeling website. It's a beautiful site. Uh, does, okay. first of all, does your site get you any leads or how long you had that site? And it, it does. Um, I've, I've been working with a, a guy, Gonda media, uh, who was actually a client. I remodeled his, uh, his bathroom in his um, condo mm-hmm. and he asked me about my site. Cause I'm a graphic artist degree, mm-hmm. sure. you know, but that's 20 plus years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the technology is so different, but I went to a, like a plug and play like Wix site or something like that. Sure. And I just uploaded my photos and chose my banners and, and all that stuff. And I was able to kind of squeak through it with something that was okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just like you to have something that's a little better. And now I'm telling you guys, plug and play sites are great. They're, they're a ton by your name, but outside of that, I think they're fine. Mm-hmm. But if you can do better and you have access to better, you know, this guy, I had access to better. So he, he built me a, a better site. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get some leads from it. I, I tend to stay busier than I can be. So I don't, push any advertising really. I only really kind of post the things that I want to continue to do. Mm-hmm. So if I do something that I really like, I post that so that people want me for that mm-hmm. because Wes does it. I've been around for a while. So, you know, I was also a repair company, mm-hmm. you know, in there somewhere, which is where the name came from. Mm-hmm. So people would say, Oh, do you do tile? Yes. Do you do drywall? Yes. Do you do, and I just go, let me just stop you right there. I do it. <laughs> and that's just how it became. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So what, so what does the structure look like today? What kind of projects are you on? Do you have employees or uh, all subcontractors? Are you in, are you in the field with your hands uh, on the tools anymore or how does that work? What does that look like? Um, I'm always on the tools. Okay. Like I took a project management job back in 2007, 2008, when things were tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I could do all these things, I became, you know, the project manager, buying houses, pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And I was bringing in contractors that were out of work because nobody was working on a mm-hmm. house when their house was worth a quarter of what it was last year. Mm-hmm. And um, all of that kind of taught me that, I don't like to manage 
lots and lots of people. Mm-hmm. I scaled down with COVID to three people, uh, one of those people being myself, yeah. and so much less stress. Mm-hmm. I don't have to cram in as much work to feed three people, and I don't have to um, – I don't have to worry about doing it all myself with that number either. And the three people, if everybody's close, they know your standard and they'll hold it. And if they're not sure, they're close enough to you to ask you before they screw it up. So for for me, it's it's just been great. So my daughter's one of those people. Okay. And she's 24. So she's been around me since, you know, born yeah uh, and you you were probably one of those you, you had her on the job site and all that you know i didn't really until okay. until 18 uh when she was 18 i got divorced okay right? okay and my whole life was tumbling down right you know me and my ex-wife were splitting up it was freaking everybody out the house was going into foreclosure i was mm-hmm. leaving the job you know all kinds of, all this bad stuff right yeah yeah and I went down to Florida and I just, I found one house for a client that I took that I was going to renovate the whole house. It's an 800 square foot beach house, mm-hmm. uh, but I was going to gut it entirely and do the whole thing by myself mm-hmm. um, as a kind of get back on my feet. Sure. Sure. And my daughter began to have panic attacks because she'd never been without me. She went to go live with her mother in that meantime, but she had never not lived with me. So I brought her down and I'm like, I'm here working, you know, you can do something. You know, she was out of, she just graduated high school year before. So I'm like, taught her how to use a tape measure. And then she just became my cut man. And, uh, she liked it. We get along great. She's a lot like me. So, um, she learns exactly how I learn. So I know how to teach her. Um, and it just works out. Right now, we're doing one home uh, for a client of mine who has a a uh, a wife who is going early onset Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So what he did was set aside an amount of money, and he said, "I want my house to be beautiful for my wife again." Yeah. Wow. And we're going to pick things one at a time. I'm going to let her pick what she wants done one at a time. And how would you feel about that? And I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. So we're going to do that until he runs out of money <laughs> <laughs> for, for what he set aside for. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, and then we'll probably move on to some investments. I'm currently in the uh, market looking for some investment property. Mm-hmm. I have one piece of investment property now. And what we want to do is start going in to renovate, put people in them or flip them, but most likely put people in them, get the, if I can afford to hold, I'm going to hold yeah. and uh, build up a net worth enough to be able to get more loans on more property and get more people in them. Um, it's just great fun. I like everything about remodeling except the client. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the one part I can't control. Yeah. yeah. And I don't mind. I typically get along with my clients. Great. But sometimes you bump into a client who's got a really bad idea. You know, it's going to be ugly at the end <laughs> and it's, it's a month of effort and it's not even going to be worth the photo because they're going to choose them off to yeah. paint it off, you know? So, yeah. Now this is, I mean, this is a, a route that a lot of contractors take, you know, after you put your years in and, and build some sweat equity, uh, start investing in your own properties, either buy and hold or flip if the opportunity is there. But I, I, I you know, I, I'm a fan of buy and hold, you know, especially as a contractor, you can make it right. And you know that the, the headaches are going to be a lot less than, um, you know, a lot of these uh, buy and hold investors are going to, you know, they're going to... S- basically go for the cheapest option to kind of fix it up, you know, because after all, it's just a rental. Well, what they don't 
think about is all the maintenance that's going to come from buying the Home Depot plumbing fixtures and, and the cheapest of everything. You know, it's just a, a maintenance. It's, it ends up being a money pit. But as a contractor, we have actually the skill set to do it economically, but do it with really good parts and make sure that, you know, it's sound um, and it's going to be sound for, for a good long time. Uh, and, and I think it's a good uh, smart investment, smart, you know, um, strategy for, you know, thinking of our future as contractors, you know, we're, we're in charge of our future. We're in charge of our retirement. We're in charge, you know, we don't have anybody else really looking out for us. So we've yeah. got to start strategizing and thinking about the, the long-term picture. And, um, so I, I hope that works out well for you. I'm confident it will, Wes. Oh, I, I appreciate it. I, yeah. you know, I take every, Every L with a grain of sand, you know. I think it was Anthony Joshua said that uh, you can't let your losses get to your heart. You can't let your victories get to your head. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, you know, like I said, just staying in a balanced place. Like, it'll it'll work out or it won't. But, but if it doesn't, what will be happening is me evolving to a better strategy. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I'm confident, you know, that it'll go the way we want it to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Wes, I've really appreciated this conversation. Um, is, is, was was there anything we missed that you wanted to voice or, you know, impart some, some last, some last minute wisdom here, uh, before we end the show? Oh, no, no. You know, I'm, um, I am building, um, kind of a brand called blue collar philosophy that I'm going to be working on and hopefully that'll evolve into kind of a webcast, um, I don't know if I'm if I'm built for that yet or not, but I, I think I'm gonna give it a shot. We're kind of in some developmental stages of that. Um, That's awesome. Well, make sure to let me know when that launches, and uh, I will I will promote it uh, and and love to tune in to that West because I've really appreciated this conversation. And don't you uh, don't doubt for a minute that you're not built for that. I mean. Uh, it's one of those things you you got to start doing it just like anything, right? Just like your whole life uh, experience here is, you know, you dove into it. Um, look at me. I'm a, I'm actually terrible at what I do. And yet uh, I'm the only, <laughs> I'm doing it. You know what I mean? No, no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But, uh, but I, what, what I mean is, you know, you don't get training, you know, I didn't get any training. I didn't, you know, you can't go to school to learn how to be a, a podcaster or a YouTuber. Really. You just got to start doing it. And there's enough people doing it that you can watch and pick up little, little pieces here and there. I mean, I just watch people who I enjoy and then try to imitate or emulate, you know, or pick up little tricks and tips here and there. And over time, you know, uh, I mean, I, I go back and listen to my first episodes and it's, it's just really cringe. I leave them up because it's, it's good. It's a good reminder of how far I've came, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. No, you're going to do great. Yeah. I think like, but the internet is so, so great now. It's just so great. Like I, this past year actually was the first, uh, Schluter pan I ever put in. Mm-hmm. First time I ever did it, and I only did it because I had to do it. They didn't build a liner big enough for the shower that I was doing. Yeah. And then I once I, I looked at the on the internet like a hundred times, and I'm like, it's in, it can't be this much easier <laughs> than what I was doing. Right? And I was like, right. Jesus Christ, I've been lugging concrete, <laughs> and we could have done this with styrofoam this yeah, whole yeah. time. <laughs> but. You know, I think it'll maybe it's a similar process learning how to do this, but yeah, yeah. No, you're gonna do. You've got a good disposition for it, and you got something to say, and it's worthwhile to listen to. So I'll I'll definitely tune in and um, anytime, anytime, Wes. Um, Thank you. I I I agree. You know, the internet and podcasts and YouTube. People kind of dog on it these days and say, "Well, where did you get that YouTube?" And it's like, yeah. I mean, you have. You have um, <clears throat> doctors, you have scientists, you have, um, you know, uh, philosophers, you have all kinds of people. You know, you have college professors teaching college grade classes on YouTube. So, yeah, I did learn it from YouTube. <laughs> right, right. Information. Yeah. It's, it's a ton of new information. Because yeah. you watch some, you watch five videos of the same system go in. And you'll realize that one of them didn't know what the heck they were doing. Mm-hmm. 
and one of them was way better than everybody else. And there's a, it's just a way to gauge it and to learn new things. Like it's really, really a great time for being able to educate yourself and being able to jump out into the world a little bit more confidently than we would have been. Cause we may not have, I'm a small town guy where I'm yeah. from. Yeah. There's no way I would have met a drywall guy and a tile guy and a plumber and, and been close enough to them to consistently get information from them or give. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, thanks again, Wes, for your time. I want to be respectful of your time. I'm sure you got, uh, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, Happy and enjoy Friday. your weekend. <laughs> Hope you have a great weekend. You're going to go fishing? I'm going fishing, buddy. Yeah. in the river or lake or what do you, what do you fish for? There's a Sweetwater Creek down here. It's like a, a lake that turns into some rapids and I keep hearing that there are perch and bass down there. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to go see about them. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. I'll, Post up if you catch any. I'll look forward to seeing that. <laughs> no will. All right, Wes, you take it easy. Thanks so much, man. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right, Tile friends. Well, I really appreciated Wes coming on the show and sharing his knowledge. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better. Uh, listen, if you want to stay in touch with all things Tile Money, you can... Uh, check us out on tilemoney.com. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter. Uh, we, we email that out towards the end of the week. The link is in the show notes or check out tilemoney.com. I hope everybody is having a positive week and I hope you're, uh, above all else, please, for goodness sake, do me a favor out there, tile friends. Do the tile contractor community a favor and make sure that in November 2021 and moving forward, I should say, make sure, please make sure you're staying, staying profitable out there, Tile Friends. All right. Talk to you next week, Tile Friends. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I appreciate y'all.